Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church in Westlake. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and joining me again this week are Cesar Guerrero and Aaron Gibson. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. Hey, Nathan. Aaron is just cooked, brewed. <laughs> you just cooked some coffee. I just cooked some coffee because... <laughs> Grilled you know, it. it so, <laughs> well, the truth good, is, it's, good be- start. it's because yeah. I just had... Uh, I, I was meeting with a friend for lunch today, and I had the Hawaiian tacos at East Coast Wings. Oh, mm. And nice. I have to say they're mighty tasty, but at the risk of you know my family revolting against me because they know my love of tacos, mm-hmm. the green beans were delicious. At East Coast Wings? At East Coast Wings. I think they should okay. rename that restaurant East, East Coast, Coast Beans because <laughs> the green beans were so good. East Coast Beans. I'm a fan of East Coast Wings. I think they're... Uh, yeah. Good, there's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, a fine and eating let, establishment. That's right. Yeah. And just for the record, we are not sponsored by no. East Coast Wings. No. East but if Coast they want to give us some yeah. free gift cards, we'll take them. If they're right. listening to the podcast, they want to send us some gift cards. The only yeah. thing we're sponsored by is Caesar's mustache. My um, mustache. I, so, so I need, so I needed some coffee because the tacos are making me a little sleepy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, I, well, I brought it up because it just smells so wonderful, and I was yes. going to say this is a coffee talk. Uh, coffee. Coffee talk, talk episode. Tell where us I think more. We're just going to lay back and. <laughs> Not literally, but maybe mentally. We're gonna hear some uh, someone pour an espresso shot, yes. you know, with the steam. I, when I was a kid and would see like Folgers commercials and stuff, I wanted to drink. Like it worked on me. I saw <laughs> and the the sounds and the the visuals of mm-hmm. coffee being brewed and poured were just so appealing. Yeah. Well, it was uh, wonderful co- conversation for another time. But um, the the history of coffee is really interesting on this point because wow. uh, back good. in the Back in the dark ages, once upon a time, okay. uh, coffee became popular um, in, uh, it was becoming popular in Western Europe. And the, the Pope at that time in the Roman Catholic Church resided in the East. And uh, someone from the West was really concerned about this coffee, new coffee drink. And they wrote a letter to the Pope asking him to denounce it as Whoa. Satan's drink. Wow. Um, but what this bishop did not know was that the Pope was already a fan of coffee, so he did the opposite and wrote an official letter from the Pope blessing coffee as the Lord's drink. Wow. My goodness. True story. True coffee history right there. So thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's on, fantastic. Next week on what Coffee a, Talk. And what an amazing kind of just it feels like that was a very contrarian thing for the pope to do like yeah. it, it, don't tell me what to do like <laughs> that's right that's right the lord's, I am favor. The lord's chosen anyway yes. we'll, we'll talk about catholicism on another episode yeah. too but coffee I, and catholicism there's a <laughs> podcast for you there you go quite the surprise ending yes yeah. absolutely and speaking of surprise endings yes uh we just we just we finished, just finished a, a, a series on the story of nehemiah we were talking about nehemiah for five weeks uh, in our fall series Back to life here at Lake Forest Church. And we, um, well, we got a surprise ending with mm-hmm. the story of Nehemiah. One you might not actually see uh, coming. Why don't you guys talk about that? Talk about um, kind of did you see this coming with how Nehemiah ended? Yeah. Should we quickly like recap? That's what, a good idea. What we've seen. Yeah, in case what, you I've, This is the first time I've ever gone through Nehemiah all okay. the way through. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's, the story is still fuzzy for me. Aaron, could you like recap the first? Yeah, well, bit I, of and it? that's that was that was what was so fun. I had never, well, not never. Uh, very few times in my life as a as a pastor or preacher have I had the opportunity to preach a whole book in one 
sermon like I did with this one. Yeah, so, I, so cool. So I tried to get, I, you know, 13 chapters, a lot to get through. So, um, you know, you can think of it, I tried to frame it up as, as the, the problem, the rebuilding, the renewal, the hoped-for renewal, and then the surprise ending, kind of four parts, right? Yeah, so, the be, yeah. so the problem was, of course, Nehemiah and all of his buddies are in exile in Babylon, far away from their hometown, Jerusalem, uh, and Jerusalem's in ruins. That's kind of the beginning. Then Nehemiah comes up with a plan. He pitches it to his boss, the king of Babylon. The king funds the whole thing, uh, even sends his personal armed guards to accompany Nehemiah, pretty radical. Then Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem. He comes up with a plan. They start rebuilding. Uh, of course, there were two key folks who'd gone before him, Zerubbabel, who had rebuilt the temple decades, like 60 years earlier, we think. Wow. You uh, might remember him from the uh, Flintstones cartoon. That's, that's, <laughs> that's right, yep. Oh, wait, no, that's Barney Rubble. Sorry. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> What a throwback reference. Yeah. You're That's welcome, really Internet. Hitting our, really hitting our uh, 75 and up demographic with that, <laughs> that reference. Hey, 60 and up? That's not that old. <laughs> That's right. So then uh, Ezra is another key character, and he had kind of renewed the community. But then the city's walls, gates, and uh, water systems needed improvement, the pools. And so Nehemiah comes, he rebuilds all that. Everything's great, and then uh, they have this big, I, I, I joked about calling it a camp meeting, but it was like a week-long worship amazing thing, and then everybody swears they're all going to change and be the way they're supposed to be and honor God and renew the covenant, and then, like, it doesn't last at all, right? They go right back to the way they were before, and that's where the surprise ending comes because mm -hmm. Nehemiah had gone back. He had to go back to his boss in Babylon, and he thinks he's done everything, and then he hears things aren't going so well. So he comes back to Jerusalem a second time, and he finds out, holy cow, um, and he just loses his mind. Mm. And he goes around the city beating up people, <laughs> calling curses down from heaven, and pulling wow. their hair out. It's, wow. it's a really interesting ending a to a Bible story. So why does he do that? What, what, are, what, are the, what are the people back in Jerusalem doing that's causing such a heated reaction? Well, is he the only one doing this, or does is he the only one with this kind of reaction as well? It' hard to say. It seems like um, in the text he's the only one we hear about, right? So okay. you got to be careful about what kind of conclusions we make from that, right? But they're 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 working on the Sabbath, which is a big deal. Yeah, okay. they you know strike one, strike one, on yeah, yeah, work on the <laughs> Sabbath. Um, they they they've let there's this fascinating story. They've let this this guy from another uh, nation come in and stay in the temple and it's almost like they've let a foreign god spend the night inside god's temple it's kind of I, I, if that kind of makes sense like yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. big yeah. so and then the temple's fallen and dis you know and nobody's caring for the temple and um, yeah it's wow it's, it's basically all the things that got uh, got them put into exile <laughs> in the first, first place <laughs> Wow, that's intense. So they're working on the day they're not supposed to be working. They're pimping out God's temple, Airbnb style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when that's when uh, Nehemiah shows up. Yeah, so he comes back and he, he tours around. He sees all this is going on. And so what he realizes, I think, and this is what I, I don't know. You know, this is just my read on it. But mm -hmm. he, he did all the right external things. Mm-hmm. But what he realizes is that the internal change that was needed 
uh, the new heart, right? That Jeremiah has been prophesying, Ezekiel's been prophesying, Isaiah's been prophesying. It's mm. almost like the book of Nehemiah is proof that all those prophets were right. Wow. It's not right. enough just to get back to Jerusalem. Right. It's not enough just to rebuild the temple. Wow. We need something greater than that. Yeah. Even, even this is a little provocative, even the reading out loud of God's law is not enough to redeem God's people. Wow. It only shows that they need a redeemer. Super fascinating. And so Nehemiah tries to take it under himself to redeem the people in this <laughs> way? Is it, is it that or, or is it just, are we witnessing a purely visceral human response right. to, to futility, right? right. He sees yeah. that all of his work probably in the moment felt right. like it was for naught. So the, so the people's corrupt heart is now corrupting Nehemiah's heart in this Ooh. moment. Yeah. Where it's like where the story yeah. is almost showing us that no one is spared when our hearts are still hard, right? Even the people who have their best wow. intentions yeah. and try to put their best foot forward in this endeavor, they in the end are corrupt as well in some ways, right? Because yeah. you, you mentioned that a way of reading this is not to think of Nehemiah as his perfect hero and condone the things he did, but to then look at what he's doing and be like, whoa, even Nehemiah is susceptible to the ailments that you talk, you talk about, the, the hardening of our hearts that yeah, the prophets yeah. are speaking against. Tell it, us more about that. Gosh, see, well, well, let me just respond, because that's really interesting. You know, I, I think the problem for us as readers is the text doesn't really condone Nehemiah's behavior, but neither does it condemn it. It's, it's mm. just, it just kind of is. It presents, it just, it just presents, presents it. what's yeah. been happening. And it, yeah. and it leaves us, I mean, it leaves us wondering, you know, it's not exactly like a, a display of righteous anger. Mm. Um, it, like, it's not Jesus going into the temple, knocking over tables, right? Like that's a yeah. clearly, dis, a clear display of righteous anger. I thought anger. about that a moment ago. Yeah. Mm. This is, this is just, I think Nehemiah hits the end of his rope. And, and the reason I, I that's the way I read it, but mm -hmm. I'd invite our listeners to read it for themselves because, mm -hmm. again, I think the text is kind of ambiguous about this. Mm -hmm. It just leaves us wondering, was this, it, it, rather than focusing on Nehemiah, it leaves us with this feeling, this wasn't how the story was supposed to end, yeah. right? Yeah. The boy was supposed to get the girl. There's supposed to be a wedding. The I don't know. Every, there's, the, this was supposed to be happily ever after, and it's not. And the reason I think that is because of the very last line. Nehemiah cries out to God and he says, um, remember me, Lord. Right? Mm. It, this kind of, wow. I, I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's, he's almost, I, it, it's either self-concern there or just kind of a confession. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know that he's out, he's trying to, you know, he's, I don't think he's trying to protect himself there from God's judgment. I just think he's saying, God, I did my best. And, and he's kind of sitting there thinking, my best wasn't good enough. Mm. Or my best didn't get us there. Wow. Two other Old Testament people are popping into my head as we discuss this. One, um, Moses, who went on a similar journey up to the mountain, right, and then was given God's law for the first time, mm -hmm. and then brought it back down and saw that... the. God's people had just really given up and whoever know, who, who knows how long that period of time was but they made this completely different golden calf this completely mm. different God to worship and and Moses in a 
if I remember, maybe I'm picturing Charleston Heston throwing the stone tablets <laughs> yeah. down. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. That's over 70 years old. Like, yeah, that yeah. one, that one's... <laughs> now you're hitting our target demographic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, but just losing it, kind of losing it in that yeah. moment, too. Yeah, that's similar. a great yeah. parallel, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, it's a little bit of Jonah in here, too, where he he sees the wickedness. But before even going and doing what God wanted him to do, he uh, ahead of time says, well, I'm... I'm giving up on these people. Yeah, yeah. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, God leads it back eventually. Yeah, but and Jonah's such a great surprise ending as well because they all repent. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love I love the Jonah story because he goes out and he preaches like the world's shortest sermon ever, <laughs> and the entire city repents in sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. I mean, it's just well. I mean, I really do believe that no story in the Bible is in isolation from the rest of yeah, it. Yeah. So even I mean, you have Jonah being the inversion of that. Even what you talk about that sermon reading, you know, he does a short sermon and the whole city repents, whereas Nehemiah and his crew reads the whole Bible yeah. and they leave and nobody's repented. Yeah. No one's done it. So it's an inverse of that. But you talked about the Moses story. That's exactly the same movement. Yeah. Yeah. Moses going away, getting God's word, doing the work, comes back. They're, they're in all disarray and he go, has to go back to God because he gets so angry. Mm. It's so interesting. Yeah, and that's interesting how much effort, or I'm sorry, not effort, but how much emphasis we put on someone else doing the work for us. Mm-hmm. Because in Moses' case, he was God's chosen prophet, like he was God's chosen, and yet with all of that emphasis being put on Moses to be the guy that talks to God, mm-hmm. the people very easily went astray. And, and um, in Nehemiah's case, you know, the people that he was trying to minister to he wasn't necessarily in the trenches with them, right? He he was going off and trying to do all this other work to be the go-between, and he comes back and what he really need what he really needed was Jesus. What yeah. he really needed is what Jesus called to us, which is to live amongst one another. Yeah, and this more of a hands-on. Yeah. So, uh, what makes life, Jesus? And, I, right? and this sounds like maybe a dumb question, but what what does make Jesus different? A different, you talked about a go-between. I think the Bible talks about like yeah. an intercessor. Yeah. yeah. You, even Moses was an intercessor. The prophets intercede for God's people all the time, you know, praying on their behalf for their forgiveness. Nehemiah does that. You mentioned that, mm-hmm. I think, the first week. So what does make Jesus the the best version of mm-hmm. all these characters that we're even bringing up today? Yeah. Um, not necessarily even theologically, because sometimes we can be, oh, these are the reasons why, but... You know, what is it about Jesus, though, that does, when he acts right, when he is angry, it's righteous yeah. anger versus Nehemiah's ambiguous anger um, and intercession? Well, the, the, he is the God-man, right? Mm. So he's um, able to do what we on our own are not able to do, mm. even as a human being. Mm. Um, but I think that the thing that makes Jesus better than Moses, better than Nehemiah, is that Jesus is the one who is able to give us a new heart. Mm-hmm. Right? He, Jesus is the one who is able to not just rescue us, but to renew and restore and rebuild. Mm-hmm. All those re-words. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he, he's able to do that. And I think that's the great hope. You know, Nehemiah ends. There's so, it's so... This, this time in the history of God's people is so interesting. And I want to be careful because 
not all of Nehemiah is lost. The, the, the other cool side in the affirmative is, hey, God's people are back in Jerusalem. Right, mm-hmm. Jeremiah's yeah. prophecy came true. Nehemiah is the fulfillment of mm-hmm. that prophecy. From from Jeremiah twenty nine, we all know Jeremiah twenty nine. Mm-hmm. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans mm-hmm. to give you hope in the future. The context of, of that promise is the promise to bring God's people back from Babylon, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens in Nehemiah. Yeah, yeah, which is probably why for God's people, even before Jesus, the book was so significant. It, they did not want to lose sight. Even though the ending isn't quite the happy-go-lucky one we wanted, the book on the whole is still a book of hope because it mm. shows God hasn't given up on us, right? He's going to make good on his promise. It also then awakens us to these other promises. Okay, God made good by bringing us back to the city. Maybe he'll make good on this promise from Jeremiah and Ezekiel that he's going to give us new hearts. Mm. And so wow. there's this kind of longing. It really sets the stage for the coming of Jesus. Yeah. How oh, cool. Yeah. So well, now that we have Jesus, then what's the, what's the promise now that we're hoping for? Growing up in church, you kind of you hear about Jesus' second coming a lot. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about revivals, you know, being a thing where it's like, hey, this year we're going to, you know, do this thing for a week, kind of like what Nehemiah did, you know, long services and a lot of singing and a lot of preaching every year actually for new year's my my church would do this thing where you would start church on new year's eve at about six o'clock after dinner and you would have like three pastors come and preach three different sermons three worship teams come and do three different sets until the new year and you would pray and then you would eat after that because <laughs> you always had to book in with food, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, always yeah. eat like at 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, of course. Uh, this weird late, late dinner. <laughs> it was great as a kid. I loved it. Yeah. But, you know, we still rehearse these kinds of practices yeah. of renewal and things like that. But what is it? A, there still feels like a disconnect there when you talk about Jesus being the best. Well, why do we still need these little kind of revivals or pick-me-ups, spiritual pick-me-ups? Mm-hmm. When Jesus is the best, you know, completion of the, all the promises and all the hope and things like that. Well, see, I think that's a great question. Yeah, that's I, too I big, is too I, big I don't know because I, you know, I didn't grow up in that kind of church setting. Um, I was just sitting at home waiting for the ball to drop on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So one thought I had, one question I thought to ask too, and this could kind of go hand in hand with your yeah. question, Caesar. Is just if we look at, at Nehemiah, you know, I really wish there was like one or two more chapters. I really want to know what he did after that. Yeah. Uh, and I think the reason we need, if I could be so bold, is to say I think the reason we need re- reconnection with God and His Spirit mm-hmm. is because we keep experiencing in this world we will have trouble, right? We keep experiencing mm-hmm. disappointment. Yeah. You know, we see what mm-hmm. Nehemiah does with disappointment. He right. loses his his mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and in a similar way, we face the same kind of disappointment, even in our own faith and in our own lives. Right. And so we need to reconnect with the promises that Jesus yeah. gives us because we're going to continuously find disappointment. Yeah. And in Nehemiah's case and most of our cases, we're going to respond out of our flesh mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be reminded of, of the, the good that comes from yeah. Still. Yeah. I guess what I'm asking is, how would you practically make that idea of the new heart 
concept that you talk about the prophets yeah. alluding to yeah. and Jesus being the one who gives a new heart. How well, does that become yeah, tangible well, pr- or practical? I was going to say, you know, this is where, uh, you know, uh, my church history can help me out a little bit because I became a Christian uh, in a Presbyterian church uh, as a teenager. And I remember going through the, the I, I then got baptized and, and I went through uh, what they called a confirmation class, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned some, I remember one of the words that was so important is this great theological word called sanctification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and boy, that's a good Presbyterian word. Like that, that's, <laughs> that makes me proud to be Presbyterian because that, we, that, that's the process of God planting a new heart in us and then slowly and consistently working that change about in mm-hmm. our lives, through the whole of our lives. Yeah. So that wow. it's not, I would say it's not, Jesus doesn't just give us a new heart like a heart mm-hmm. transplant, but rather mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a new heart that then begins to grow and grow out into mm-hmm. us so that we start to become different people. Yeah. Well, then it just occurred to me why we were doing the up and in and out stuff. Like, it just now hit me. You talked about this strategy Forrest has that we're trying to do with this, you know, our spiritual uh, development, spiritual formation, I think language is what mm-hmm. you and Dean mm-hmm. used. I didn't connect that at all this whole time. I actually had a conversation with my wife because she was listening to the up and out stuff too during the sermon. She's like, why are we doing Nehemiah and this strategy together? She's like, I'm having a hard time putting it together, but you just talked about this sanctification, yeah. the process in which our heart does become less hard and more like the heart mm-hmm. that Jesus promises us. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, this is this is the last week. <laughs> you know, well, we, hey, better late than never. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I caught that. You know, yeah. and I'm in on the meetings well and everything. Done. Aaron does know what he's talking about. Wow, no, no not really. wow. But you know, I think see, there's a version of Christianity out there that says, "I've got to do all this stuff, yeah, so that God will blank, 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 whatever that mm. is. Right? I've got to do the up, in, and out." In order to something, right? And and really, what what the gospel of grace says is no, no. Up in and out is what follows on that the become the the surrendering to God. So I I surrender to God. I, I put my trust in Him. I I tell Jesus I want Him to be the Lord and leader of my life, and then. Up in and out is the way I, I work that out with him. It's the way I practice that with mm-hmm. him. It's the way I keep in step with him as he teaches me how to live with this new heart, as a, become the kind of person he mm-hmm. wants me to be, not so that he will love me, so that he will accept mm-hmm. me, so that I'll get into heaven, whatever, but mm-hmm. so that the change that he wants to bring in me can actually can So actually is happen. the up in and out model our expression of the heart that we are growing into mm. like it's like you just mentioned it's not the prerequisite to get the heart it's not like yeah. you check those boxes and then now I get exchanged those things for a new heart but it's in fact the heart and we just get to practice those three things gradually over and over and over again is that another yeah. way of seeing it yeah let me let me use a little cheesy metaphor and I hope this I hope this works I haven't yeah. pre-thought this so if we I'll get, cut it go out for it. Right, you just edit it out it's <laughs> terrible but I remember as a kid, uh, I, 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 as a young, young kid, I was living in Flagstaff, Arizona, um, and we lived right down the street from the local ice rink. And 
I remember I would go there after school on my bike and just watch these hockey players out there playing hockey. I know it's kind of funny to think about hockey in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But it, it, That's it, a paradox. Yeah. I mean, and this rink was so ghetto, y'all. It, it, it actually... <laughs> It just had a, a, a metal roof over it and a chain link fence oh around it where, where you normally have boards, what they had called boards. Like they had the boards, but where you'd have normally have glass on a hockey rink. It was chain, it was chain, chain link. link. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I, so I was literally walking up and holding the chain link fence and watching the hockey like players arena play. in a desert. It was, it was great. It was great. Um, but then uh, I remember going home and telling my mom, I, you know, I wanted to become a hockey player. I had a vision of what a hockey player did, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so she signed me up, and, and I remember I felt so proud the day I got my, my ice skates, I got my helmet, and I got my jersey. And I was, a part, I, I was now a hockey player, mm-hmm. at least in potential and in form, right. but I didn't know how to skate. <laughs> I didn't know how to shoot. Yeah. I didn't know any of this, right? Right. And so, but, but I, I now had the right equipment mm. to, to become a hockey player. But it was only as I showed up for practice, as mm-hmm. I wow. consistently stepped out onto the ice, and I learned how to put one foot in front of the other. I learned how to skate with my stick. I, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had the right. So I think, in a way, That's so good. when we become a Christian, which is even kind of an interesting phrase, when mm-hmm. we, when God makes us a Christian, when He mm-hmm. adopts us into His family, when He and Jesus come and make their home in our heart through the Holy Spirit, which mm-hmm. is the promise in John. Right. Now we've got this whole brand new potential. We've got this mm-hmm. new heart. And 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 truly we are liberated to become the people we were meant mm-hmm. to be. Did that That's, metaphor work? Absolutely. So, that was yeah. awesome. Oh good. And we keep we've kept coming back in these episodes about the Back to Life series to that word practice. Is that is that kind of the, uh-huh. the final thought? Is that the, the thing we want people to get out of this series the most? Is that this takes takes practice? Is this what we're, we're trying to encourage people in? Well, that, that was my hope, right? My yeah. hope was uh, was a little bit in this season, there yeah. are some practices that you, you can still engage in the life of faith, yeah. even in this kind of strange season we're living in. Mm-hmm. And you can still grow, yeah. Uh, and that's what the up in and out is. That's the, that's the skating, shooting. I don't know what the third skill in hockey is. I was a hitting people, player. hitting people, punching. I think the picture is punching. <laughs> yeah. I know punching. a lot. The violence, <laughs> the skating, shooting, and fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, I, all I know about hockey, I learned from the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good education. Yeah. But yeah, well, I don't know. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that's the big takeaway. What, what do you guys think is? What, what did you hear through God's Spirit in this series? What did, well, yeah, so I think point? that would be it because you know it, it's resonated in us as we've had these discussions, and um, uh, I think that would be it. Exactly what we're saying. You know, we ha- this takes time, not just work, but time mm-hmm. too, right? right? Yeah, and we we have to be patient with others and patient with uh, with ourselves. I think in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but don't give up. Don't give up on on uh, on working on it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I'm yeah. clearly still learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's similar, the purpose yeah. of these episodes, yeah, right? That exactly. as we process what we hear on, on our in our services, that we would mm-hmm. be able to continue the conversation and yeah. uh, help you learn and grow. Yeah, For and sure. Nathan, if I if I might just you know want, at the risk of going too long uh, on today's podcast, I I I think that from my own life, um, 
the, the, this idea of these three movements, these three practices of up, in, and out, mm-hmm. really are the things that help me practice the life of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't have any better tool or framework. It's a little bit simple, but that's what I like about it. It allows me at any point I can sit down and say, all right, how am I doing in this up dimension of my life right now? How, what am I doing in my habits of worship or prayer or study? Yeah, yeah. How am I doing on my, my in right now? Mm-hmm. And, and then where, where, am I, where am I living out? Where am I giving of myself for the sake of others? Mm. And uh, if I have those three things in balance in my life, I find that I'm best able to engage in the life that God wants me to experience and live out. Mm-hmm. Well, friends, that's it for this episode of Tell Us More. I want to thank Caesar and Aaron for joining us again and helping us rack up, wrap up our discussions of uh, our Back to Life series. I'm excited about continuing into this year and, and into the fall of this year, I mean, and, and seeing what else the Lord might have for us in this strange, strange year. Just so strange. But thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, friends, join us again next time when we ask our speakers and those ministering to us to tell us more. Goodbye. Goodbye.